Hi, my name is Tracy G and I'm an inner work coach, NLP trainer and podcaster extraordinaire. Passionate about equality and a world that is more diverse and inclusive, giving each and every one of us the opportunity to be the best version of ourselves. As a biracial woman, I've experienced my fair share of discrimination in the past and come out on top. We all know that discrimination and bias still exists in the world today, and it's not always easy to know what to do about it. This podcast, All One Inclusive, is about celebrating all diversity and being proud of all that you are. I chat with inspiring guests and my friends as we share stories from news sources and listeners from all over the world who have experienced some form of discrimination firsthand. The aim is for us to be able to discuss this issue more openly so it becomes better understood by all and provide tips about what you can do to make a difference. The world may have a lot of catching up to do, but if we can imagine a more equal world, we can create change step by step, ripple by ripple. Happy hump day! Happy hump day! (laughs) Happy hump day! How have you been? What's been up to? Oh, been okay. Work's been a little bit intense, but things are looking better. <laughs> um, no, it's been good. Had a great weekend. Went oh, to yeah. work balls. Discovered a whole new trail. Which was I suppose is a- yes. in the Blue Mountains, right? In the Blue Mountains, yes. Because I think there are several walks you can do. Mm. Um, and uh, we went on the princess one and then another one that I didn't hadn't gone on before. It was so pretty. It's a beautiful day. And there were like mini waterfalls everywhere because of all the rain we've been having. So, yeah, no, it was great. What about you? You've been good? Yeah. Um, this week uh, was my brother's birthday. So I sent him, I spoke to him this week and that was really nice. I haven't spoken to him for a while. He turns thirty. Mm. Oh, you know, I don't even think how old he is. 32, 33. And spoke to my sister. That was nice. And I've been coach assisting this weekend at a masculine feminine coaching mm. session. So that's like a group of people signed up for someone's program that I'm trained in. And I did help help them deliver it or assist in them delivering it. And I really love it because it's a reminder. So the masculine and feminine coaching essentially means that where in order to be fulfilled and balanced and um, a purpose, you need to have a balance of masculine and feminine. Mm. And masculine and feminine isn't about being male or female. It's that certain things are masculine and feminine, like um, anything that's directed outwards mm. is masculine. Leadership, masculine. Asserting, masculine. Talking, even, masculine. Yeah. Obviously, women have must should have and do have masculine traits, yeah. and the same for men. Um, and what happens is when things aren't going right, this usually means there's an imbalance. And every person needs a balance of both, and the world needs a balance of both. Like you'll see, like a lot of our leaders are very, very masculine in their leadership mm. style, and feminine things are things like listening, emotions, nurturing receiving these are kind of feminine aspects 
our aspects of the feminine. So when you're looking at, when I'm looking at a client, I'm gauging what's, what's out of balance. What do they need more? Or do they need more masculine? Uh, you know, are they just retreating? That's very, you know, retreating, hiding. That's very uh, feminine. Mm. And it's kind of in shadow, if you like. So they need more masculine, you know, more, you know, action doing, being, directing. So it's kind of finding the balance, you know, the yin yang, the harmony is what was what we really need to achieve that purpose, that balance in our lives. So that's essentially what it was about. And then we were looking at usual, looking at behavior and where it comes from and how to uh, rewire the brain to change that we were doing. So it was very interesting. Good reminder for me as well. So that's what I was doing yesterday. Awesome. I didn't, I mean, I knew about the whole masculine thing, but I didn't know that was something you could do in coaching. Yeah, well, it's, it's just the idea, isn't it? What's out of balance? This person um, is here. You're usually here because you want to, um, you really do, you're doing really well and you want to do even better and you, you don't know how to do that. So I help you with that. Or you're here because you've got a problem, um, whatever that is. Yeah. And usually if I think about an imbalance of masculine and feminine, I can figure help that person figure out how to solve that problem. So, yes, awesome. That's what I've been doing. But how awesome was our guest last week? I know. She was great. She was great. Uh, it was we? I think we both had a great time talking to her. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Could have talked to her for ages. Mm. There's so many more questions. Actually, I really wanted to ask her, and uh, and deep going deeper with the, even the questions we did ask her. It would have been we just didn't have enough time. But I would have loved to talk to her much more. And it was so funny because after the interview, she sent me a message where she was like, "Oh, I didn't say this, and I didn't say this." So I thought. Well, you know, we'll play it. We'll play it uh, on this episode. So Sinead McDivitt is um, a female director, TV and film director, who very graciously agreed to be on the show and talk about herself, share mm. about herself, her life, you know, problems, challenges, her beliefs, and how she basically got where she is today. And and she left me this message because she felt, felt like there was things she wanted to add that she really forgot to say. So I thought, well, we'll just play it. We'll just play the message and then there you go. So here it is. Hiya, it's Megan. Of course, you know, you, you, you jump off these interviews and stuff and you go, God, I could have thought of this and this and this to say. I just wanted to say one thing. That, do you know how you asked me, like, how did you... Or what were the new beliefs that you rewired of the sabotaging ones? <clears throat> and I just explained that, you know, one was worthy of love and one was worthy of this new life as a director. Well, one of the little tricks I used with regards to the latter, so the life as a new director was, do you know those little paper slips they give you on airplanes where you have to fill out all your details? A bit fucking painful, but... <laughs> You know, your dress and your and there's a little field that says occupation well I just when I transitioned to this new career I started just writing in director 
in the occupation field. I stopped writing designer and director or designer, graphic designer. I just wrote director and I did that every single time I got a flight. So I kind of started uh, living into the role, if you like, before I would have had a lot of rungs on the board. Like Anyway, I, I wish I kind of had said that because it kind of actually might help inspire someone um yeah their journey and the other thing was as well i didn't mention was like in terms of the discrimination and bias like like i'm acutely aware that i live in a white woman's body like i might be irish and i might be gay but like there's just the systemic racism we live in in this world is just next level so you know, I've learned a lot as well. My sister works with migrant workers in Dublin and, you know, the struggles they go through and their, the life experience of those people is just absolutely heartbreaking. And yeah, the, the film world and the TV world is is pretty monocultural in, in, in terms of most people around you are white. And that has to change. You know, that's like, but there's um, one of your questions I really thought a lot about was, um, well, you know what what was it what was it about um why do you think there's so few female directors and I you know really take an intersectional approach to that so like when we say female directors what are we talking about in terms of socioeconomic background culture race class gender identity age um access you know all of these things really determine your pathway as a director because it's a very unpredictable, very high risk, in my opinion, path to take. And you need the opportunities to make work, to build trust, to get the work, to get paid work. And we're dealing with a huge amount of unconscious bias in our world, um, not just gender wise, but also cultural background wise, neurodiversity wise, disability wise. There's people out there with all kinds of opinions and beliefs um, on these things that are either subconscious or, or conscious, but are decision makers. And that can really impact how far you get or, or yeah, how much um, waiting you can stomach um, life in life as a director because it takes a long long time to build up your show reel and so on anyway I'm blabbing on but there are just a couple of things I wish I had said and I don't know if there's any way you want if you want to thread them in in your own words feel free but um yeah just wanted to add those thanks a million for having me this morning really enjoy the chat and chat to you soon bye there you go I didn't want to use my own words I thought her words were really good um, you know, this is exactly why we're doing this podcast. It's to highlight the unconscious bias and and unconscious bias that exists, and and why it matters. Why why do we even bother highlighting that? Because so we because we want people to understand. And I mean, when I say people, I mean everyone. That we all have them. Yes. You know, this is not only white people have bias. That's not true. We all have them. Mm. and if we're aware of them we can do something about it right we become aware of them so we're just highlighting different types and why why it's important what it means and the consequences as well Mm. we can already see the consequences now in our everyday lives like where we live where we grow up and the world we live in today because like you know Sinead's talking about there's such a lack of diversity it's very monocultural and Mm. she's talking about directors and people some people don't understand that opportunities are limited Mm. by the decision makers 
but not only the decision makers, by people themselves, um, by their experiences and how much, it's almost like how much baggage they have to carry. It's like they have to carry more or there's more things in the way of, of finding those opportunities. And also even not even just finding opportunities, self-belief to even believe that it's a path that you can take or that's open to you. And I think all of those things are important to highlight if we were to, if we were to change anything anyway. And of course I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wouldn't be here, would you? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Although that would be an interesting podcast. (laughs) I disagree with everything she just said. Well, feel free to disagree. I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear them. You're just, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, so yeah, if, if anybody um, relates to any of that, has any stories to share, please do write in and share their stories with us. Absolutely. Now, talking of stories, Meenal, do you have a story for me? I do. So this is um, one from Nine News, um, which the title reads, Criticism of Fran Kelly's New Gig, Frankly, Drips of Ageism, with Ageism, a stubborn form of discrimination that we need to call out. Oh, but first of all, who's Fran Kelly? Yes, (laughs) indeed. And actually, it does have a picture of her, and I don't really recognise her, so. All right. Um, but anyway, oh, well, let's just say she's a uh, she's a um, a, a mature lady mm-hmm. with a wealth mm-hmm. of experience, I assume, to be yeah. selected to present a TV show. Yes. And what's the TV show called again? Um, it's a new talk show. Oh, it's a new talk um, show, yeah. And that one exactly said what. Oh, it's called Frankly. Right. So I guess it's some sort of current affairs talk show. Yeah, I guess so. Mm. So it goes on to say that there's an old adage that if you can't see it, you can't be it. Um, So diversity matters, not just because any thriving society will include all, but because it's the right thing to do, um, because it's the right thing to do, but because it also delivers the best results a range of perspectives, a plethora of lived experiences and ideas, which is exactly what you were just talking about, really. Mm, a range of perspectives, um, a plethora of experiences and ideas. And, we were, you know, there's already evidence to, to suggest that those companies that have the most diverse boards mm. are, are very successful compared to the similar mm. companies that don't. Mm. Yeah, I guess you just need to throw that in people's faces a bit. Yes. Well, I think we talk about it a lot with, you know, people of colour and things like that, uh, representation in media and things, but we don't really talk about age as much because, yeah, people think it's a little more accepted. To Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I think it is. I see a lot of older men on telly, I have to say. Yeah. Just not that many older women, which is the purpose. Hmm. This is really why the story we picked the story because it really highlights that mm, absolutely so yeah but there appears to be a wink wink nudge nudge acceptance of one particular form of discrimination in australia that needs to be called out strongly 
um, ageism. There is a mainstream acceptance of the idea that when people reach a certain age, they're past their use-by date and should be carted off. That their time is up, they should vacate the space. It is, of course, at odds with the contemporary thinking of how modern workplaces should operate, and it is steeped in problematic stereotypes. When my friend and colleague Fran Kelly was recently announced as the new host of ABC talk show, Frankly, there was a rush of um, comments suggesting that older people shouldn't be getting new gigs. While the ABC's programming decision should be absolutely open to scrutiny, um, people are entitled to barrack for their preferred style of host, their arguments should be subject, also should be subjected to scrutiny. Those people who described, who criticised ABC's choice to appoint Kelly as presenter seem to suggest that she was past her use by date and is a safe choice. A reporter at the Sydney Morning, Morning Herald, Thomas Mitchell, argued choosing Kelly as a host has missed opportunity for the ABC to reach younger audiences and promote emerging talent. So his comment is, perhaps it would be a something, uh, 20-something comedian like Aaron Chan or Nina Oyama. What about an up-and-coming YouTuber who might go to go on to greatness? Dare I say, maybe someone at ABC could log on to TikTok and unearth Australia's next great TV um, talent. The possibilities are, and then he puts dot, dot, dot. Oh, wait, it's Frank Ke Kelly. So that was... Um, so was that one of the um, remarks after yeah. she was appointed, right? Okay. Yes, exactly. Mm. Um, yeah, that's harsh in my opinion, but okay. Um, Mitchell then noted Kelly's age and used the word boomer. And suddenly we were in generational war prison where getting old and young people against each other, we're pitting old and young people against each other, rather than looking at a more complex story of representation. In a column um, for The Guardian, Luke Buckmaster, Buckmaster wrote, Frank Kelly's new talk show reminds us that the ABC TV programming is depressingly risk-averse, seemingly built on the assumption that people will eventually get old and tune in. The ABC wow. should absolutely be platforming younger people in key roles, but that doesn't mean older people should be carted out on the basis of age. It's a zero-sum game. It's not a zero-sum game. Um, the other piece missing from the commentary is the merit and experience. So after 20 years at the top of her game in Australia as one of Australia's leading interviewers, Kelly has a unique skill set uh, unique skill set honed through years on the radio um, in one of the toughest gigs there is. Uh, good organizations both um, develop talent and promote younger and more experienced workers. How often do we see a woman in her 60s on prime TV? Rarely. What struck me about the column, what struck me um, about the many column inches devoted to all of this was um, complete accent, absence of any gender analysis, which is what you pointed out. Older men are mainstream of our uh, TV screens, but women over 50 become culturally invisible. So um, it does go on to say that 
male um, analysts missed in their takes that on Kelly's appointment um, was the signal putting a 64-year-old woman on television sends to women across the country. Add to the fact that Kelly is in and out, um, an out and proud gay woman, another part of the diversity story completely missing from the recent commentary. And all of a sudden the power of representation takes on new significance. Mm. When I was growing up as a young gay person, I never saw gay people, particularly women, people like me on TV or anywhere in the public sphere. I was desperate for role models, but they were, they were hard to find. When we see a diversity of people on our screens and in our boardrooms, it has a powerful impact on their lives. Ask any woman in her 50s and 60s what happens as they age and you will be gobsmacked by the stories they share. This week I interviewed Australian pop star Darren Hayes, who voluntarily talked about the sexism, uh, sexist impact of ageing that happens to middle-aged women. And he said women tell him they feel like they disappear. Perhaps unsurprisingly, research by Australian Human Rights Commission shows ageism remains the most accepted but least understood form of prejudice in Australia. The number of Australians over 65 has doubled in the past 50 years and now represents 15% of the population and the trend is accelerating. Mm. So, um, wow. It's really, there's a few things come up there for me. The first thing was, well, ABC is an ABC show and I've actually always found ABC to be quite one of the most diverse channels of Australian TV with it's culturally diverse and age. Like I see like the first shows like Triple J, young people, you know, presenting radio and TV uh, to me and, and the multicultural thing. To me, ABC is more diverse than a lot of the, most of the mainstream channels is yeah. one of the most. So that's interesting to me that that choice of, um, that appointment for that TV show, it was so criticised. Yeah. That was interesting. Um, what's the other thing that comes up for me? That whole concept of women over after middle age feeling like they're becoming visible. I hear that a lot. Yeah. And I hear that. I remember talking to some women. You know, a lot of women here tend to get cosmetic surgery and, you know, their lips, their whatever, with a face, basically. Yeah. Um, and I remember asking like it's not something I think I would do, but it's not something I necessarily judge. I'm just curious as to why mm. they want to do it. And it's about staying looking youthful. Okay. Why do you want to stay looking youthful? Because they feel like they're invisible now. Yeah. Um, and that will obviously have the opposite effect for you to be more visible if you look younger. It just sounds, it just seems, I get it. And I think I guess I'm lucky because I've got that I've got the genes where I don't look as old as I am. <laughs> Absolutely. And I may feel differently if, I, if but I just I would I'd like to think I could just be proud of my age. Well, I think yeah, it's it's a little bit hard. It comes down to representation, right? Because especially for women, I think if you're like yeah, fifty and above, and you don't see yourself, like you don't have a life 
in on TV, right? Nobody writes about you. Mm. Um, you don't see yourself. You don't TV exist. Either. Yeah, exactly. So like, it's like, oh, well, there's no point now. What's what's the point? You know, which is very disheartening. Mm. Um, obviously, you're still around and you still want to do things. You still have ambition. Mm. You still have, um, you know, goals that you want to achieve. And um, but it's yeah, it's hard. Like I don't think there are many shows out there that that talk about I don't know dating in your 50s or something or finding love in your 50s or getting married in your 50s or whatever you know um it just doesn't really happen so I guess there needs to be a shift if we've got an aging population it's not we're not the only Australia's not the only country is it with the an aging population so on the one hand you could say you can understand why you why there was a focus on the younger because mm-hmm. that was the majority of the population mm-hmm. you know your future leaders um, but there needs to be a shift because, you know, there's such a large yeah. percentage and it's it's not traditionally like you hit you retire and then you just kind of expire. Yes. Retire and expire. Some people want to continue in their careers with yeah. their work because I just think it depends what you do, right? Yeah. There's this whole step aside, let some younger person do it. But yeah. you've always got, experience is always valuable no matter how much things change and if you if you don't put people won't understand the difference until they see it you know you can talk about it all you want but I I know that my new boss at my current work um is older but she has a wealth of experience and for me I've I've learned so much already just from seeing how she handles situations because I've never seen it handled like that before mm-hmm. like it's it's quite amazing to to witness her work mm-hmm. um and I'm actually really glad that I get to work with her or work under her or whatever mm-hmm. um because yeah I, I've never been around someone with her skills and mm-hmm. her experience so again you won't know until until you're actually until you see it and then you're like yeah this is crazy like if she wasn't in the position she was and it was someone else, I think we would have lost, like, you know, a great deal of experience and, and mm. pro- probably where the direction of where our unit goes because um, she's great at her job. So mm. yeah. I don't know. I just think there's this whole doesn't need to be youth versus age, mm. like younger and older. I mm. think they both have value. Yeah. If people – and if they can recognise that in each other, then we – be in a lot better position but yeah I didn't know no I don't know who this person is I didn't know she was gay I don't know if that's common knowledge or not um but yeah it really is it highlights something we talk about which is representation yeah it's really important to know that yeah what was that old adage that you said at the beginning Um, yeah exactly it was um there's an old adage if you can't see it you can't be it yeah if you can't see it you can't be it and Mm. I mean I mean I understand that means because that impacted me growing up I never thought about it for women of an age I never thought about it because obviously it doesn't affect me it doesn't even affect anyone I know my mum's only getting to that age now yeah I never I don't know how she feels about it Uh, but it's I'm starting to hear more about it, I guess. Yeah. Is that, you know, uh, as, as I'm with women that are, are older than me that share things like that, that they feel invisible. It does say that, 
like you've pointed out, the thing um, about age is, um, unlike most other fixed identities, yeah. um, is that it shifts. So young people get old. We all start young, and if we're lucky, we get old too. Um, good broadcasters and good communicator, uh, communities um, are inclusive of all of those phases of life. I'm often struck by the level of respect afforded to older people in First Nations communities. In Aboriginal culture, rather than feeling shamed or used up or spat out, um, elders are revered. They are listened to, respected for their wisdom and experience, not diminished um, or undermined. Perhaps mm. we need to think about embracing that kind of respect across our country. So, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Interesting, hey? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Have you ever talked to your mum about how she feels about getting older? Oh, no, I don't think I have. I have noticed that obviously it's a little bit harder for her because she expected certain things, I guess, as she got older and maybe didn't pan out like that. So um, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's like accepting that if if you had this plan for your life and it doesn't work out, what do you do with it? You mm-hmm. know, and struggling with that. But yeah, for 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 me, my parents, I wish they'd um they just slow down a little bit, if anything, <laughs> because they're working just as hard as they worked. I think when they were in their thirties, so it would be nice for them uh, to slow down and and um yeah to uh, to enjoy. Uh, their their age a little bit but um for both well I think more for my dad but um when they got actually really both of them when they got older the school because they're both teachers the the school started um subtly asking them about oh what are your plans and things like that and when they weren't really forthcoming they sort of outright asked them are you going to retire you planning to retire because obviously older um teachers get paid more so and there were there was a lot more younger teachers um available who you could hire and pay less so they were both uh strongly encouraged to retire um even though you know you think teaching is one place where it would be a massive shortage now yeah well this is the thing though once they retired they were both called up again like almost within months going can you please come back and I'm just like yeah I guess people can be quite short-sighted um about things like this but um, yeah Yeah. well we need I mean just in Australia we need the workforce right now right um there's not enough people here um I wanted to do that other story because it's really good theme of um inclusivity yes that we have going on and I just saw this story and I just thought it was lovely because at the end of the day, it starts to even know, I, I don't even know if, if somebody to be inclusive as a, a real, at a really youthful level or if I was really young, I just thought, oh, yeah, I've got to include everyone. Like I wouldn't be thinking about it in terms of culture, in terms of sex, in terms of sexuality mm. because I just didn't notice it. But when I think back to my my jobs and my work, and um, I wish my friendship group was a bit more diverse. I mean, we we're the most diverse <laughs> in our friendship group. I would like to have more male friends. 
mm. actually don't have that many male friends. Mm. Um, I've got like maybe one, two in the UK that I still stay in touch with. And then I find it difficult to make male friends, mainly because I feel like there's, a, there's, a, there's another agenda. And if, and if that's not, or they're just not very good at maintaining friendships. I think men are notoriously hard at maintaining friendships, I think. So, yeah, but it wouldn't work. I think most of my male friends, I've, I've gotten through work. Mm. Um, I think yeah, yeah, same. Yeah. Um, all right, so this story just warmed my heart. It says, one woman's mission to bring inclusive reading material into schools. Talking of schools, as we were. And also, she's got great hair. I love her hair. But anyway, in our Giving Voice series, we meet three people, or three people, who are showing young people of colour the power of self-expression, helping them to explore their heritage, give voice to their identity, and tell their own story. Um, Samantha Williams, founder of this founder of this is book love this is book love which brings inclusive reading materials into schools cool um so on a bright day it's an inner london primary school the pupils are enjoying a lesson with a difference a stall has been set up draped in vibrant pattern fabrics and bright flags on it are stacks of books for young readers some tell the stories of renowned people such as Nelson Mandela, Rosa Parks, Malala, and the Williams sisters. Others contain stories in two languages, English alongside Adu or Yoruba or Swahili. Wow. Now, I know Urdu is... Urdu. Sorry, I can't say it. <laughs> you say it, you say it, you say it. Urdu. And explain the language of... Well, uh, oh, actually, so I think I can't, so I can understand a little bit of Urdu um, because, you know, my parent, my mom used to watch Pakistani TV shows. It's a beautiful language. Um, it's a, it's it's sort of a, com not a combination. I think there are words similar in Hindi. Um, so I don't know the origins of it, but um, it's, it's, it's lovely. So it's like Pakistan. Yes, yeah. I think it does. It's, it's, it's from Pakistan yeah yeah and so we have a lot of people from Pakistan in in the UK and okay. India uh, Urdu is the language uh, like almost like a second language now hmm. Yoruba I don't know where that's from I'm making an assumption it's some sort of African language hmm. I know Swahili is so anyway that's great and yeah. it's obviously relevant to the schools in the area so we have Self-portraits by the pupils hanging around the stalls, the children dance and sing, and the waving flags of countries in which their parents or their grandparents were born. It's a big word to use about primary age children, but they seem to find the event empowering. I think it is when they see, can read and see and hear mm. um, about their culture and their backgrounds with pride. Yes. Being a pride thing, like it not being... Uh, in the context of criminals or, <laughs> or oh, anything no. horrible or negative. Yeah, parents sitting with their kids, looking through books written in their first language about characters who looked like them. Hmm. The event was run by This Is Book Club, which founder Samantha Williams describes as a multicultural book carnival. 
And since 2016, she's been bringing inclusive children's books to schools and community centres. She also sells them online. The germ of the idea first came 10 years before following the death of William's mother, who was from Barbados. She says, I felt I'd lost my anchor to many aspects of my life, including part of my heritage, she explains. After I had my children, that feeling intensified. I was bereft on their behalf as they had lost their only black grandparent. Being unable to find any children's books that featured black grandmothers made her realize there was a need for better representation in books and toys. However, it wasn't until a few years later, after an incident in her daughter's summer club, that she felt compelled to do something. I was dropping the girls off and was wearing my hair afro. And this little boy shouted, bushy hair at me. Williams recalls, it saddened me that such a young child was already making racist comments. I went to see the club head and said, I don't want this child reprimanded, but, it, but educated. I want him to understand and value diversity. Mm. Williams then ordered as many children's books as she could afford by writers from ethnically diverse background. Titles such as Big Hair. I think I have to buy these books. <laughs> Big Hair. Big Hair Don't Care. <laughs> Oh, I totally needed that book when I was a kid. Big Hair, Don't Care by Crystal Swain Bates uh, and returned to the club to demonstrate to staff how they could help change children's perceptions. The club leader's response was what I had hoped it would be. William says, books can inspire, raise self-esteem, give children something to aim for, help them to see themselves as heroes of the story. The right reading material can set someone on a path that leads them from dreams to reality. He knew that, but hadn't the resources needed to find those books. Since then, Williams has run events at scores of schools and community centres, as well as selling books at markets and festivals. She's expanded the stock to stock toys, puzzles and clothes, plus more book telling stories from dozens of countries. And then um, goes on. Oh, gosh, I've never seen that before. So this says, although BAMI or BAME children mm. accounted for 32% of the UK school students in 2017. I'm saying I've never seen abbreviation BAMI or BAME. I've never seen it either until, yeah. It sounds a black, Asian and, minor black, Asian and minority ethnic. I wonder, would you say BAME or BAMI, B-A-M-E? What would you... I don't know how you would say that. Yeah, I don't know. So that's a that's a thing. It's a word to describe black, Asian, and minority ethnic. All right, we'll use it. Bame. Should we say bame or bammy? Bame. Bame. Okay. Um, so thirty-two percent UK students are bame, mm. and four point three percent of children's books published that year featured a bame character, mm. and only one percent included a person of color as the main character. According to Rig, part of the carnival's success is down to all the pupils feel included. Um, Samantha asks about the children's cultural heritage beforehand. Oh, so she can bring flags and books for every child. Isn't that cute? No matter where their family's from, she explains, it is a celebration of diversity inclusion. So we can't have any child feeling left out. It's a very visual, joyful event. And the engagement level among the children is high. I love that. 
father of four, Leonard Aforia Atta, has become a regular supporter. I wanted to show my daughter's high-achieving black female role models, he explains. Mm. Mantha recommended um, run the show like CEO Oprah Winfrey. Mm. I don't know what that means. By Caroline Moss. Oh, that must be like a... Yeah, that's a title, I think. A title of something. Mm. We've gone through it so many times already and it definitely leaving its mark. And my son recently bought KN... Chimbri, Chimbiri's The Story of the Windrush. The carnival brings books we'd never find anywhere else. It's making reading more relevant to children like me. Oh, um, the Black Lives Matter protests in June, spiked by the death of George Floyd in the US, brought increased interest in William's business. My Instagram following, oh, I need to follow her on Instagram. Follow, let's follow her on Instagram. You, I'm going to say, do you have? Yes, you do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So get on Instagram and follow this lovely woman, Samantha, Samantha Williams. Mm. Get on Instagram and follow Samantha Williams. She says, she says, my Instagram following jumped by more than 200% in six weeks, and mm. I have more orders than I could cope with. But whether that is an indication of systemic change is not, yet clear it will be interesting to see the long-term effects and whether they equate to more people of color being given the same opportunities as those who are white i hope it is a sign of genuine intent rather than merely wanting to be seen to be doing the right thing no it won't be people just wanting to be seen to be doing the right thing but anyway that was really nice samantha williams yes did you find her did you have a look i was trying and then i got distracted but yes that's so cool. I love that story. Samantha Williams. I'm going to find her. Just really browsing quickly. In fact, nearly every single Samantha Williams there is white. In fact, they are pretty much are all white. I bet she's got a different handle. Let's, what did we say that it was called? The book what? The book carnival? Let me just have a look. This is book love. Hmm. Let's see if we find it that way. Oh, yep. So she's at um, Book Love and Beyond. Book Love and Beyond. There we go. Good. Thanks, Meenal. Book Love and Beyond. There we found her. Little investigation there. Mm. Ah, Samantha Williams. Yeah, great. Follow. Beautiful. All right. Meenal. It is time for a really little jingle. What would you do? I'm terrified to with a jingle. <laughs> okay. Okay. Very, very timely, very um, relevant. So, your scenario. You're a co-worker. You're at work. Mm. And I don't know, there's some story in the news. Oh, no, you just told the story about Samantha Williams and her book love beyond at schools and think it's great and your co-worker says I don't see colour I don't see colour oh. yes um, oh. what do you yeah. think what do you think actually when they, you hear that I've never had anybody say it to me directly but I've you obviously heard this um, I think it's a weird thing to say <laughs> because um, yeah 
I mean, you can't exist in a world without seeing colour. I think it's invalidating too many people, you know. Um, but I think I would probably say something, well, what an odd thing to say, because it would be nice to understand why someone would say something like that. Mm. Like, you know, because um, I then I would say, I don't think that, like, because, I mean, I, they would probably say something along the lines of, oh, that's because I'm not, I don't discriminate based on colour. And it's like, well, don't think... I don't see colour means that you don't discriminate. I think you're just trying to, like, I don't know, invalidate people that have are of colour and then have different experiences. And because you don't see that, you're just like, well, it doesn't quite matter <laughs> what your experiences are, whatever, and what you've experienced otherwise. Brilliant. Um, that is that. That's um, pretty much what it says. Thank you. Um, yeah. Thank you for... Um sharing your thoughts and well but what then what is that what you would you actually say that i think i would i think i would actually um say what an odd thing to say and why mm. would you say that like mm. it just doesn't quite make sense to me like even the whole yeah i don't know mm. i think most people are trying to be like um you know on the side of people of color by saying something like that i'm, I'm guessing but i think it's the wrong way to go about doing it perhaps mm. um because yeah it's just it's it's yeah yeah you don't yeah it's the same as like oh I don't know I feel pain today and somebody goes but I I don't believe in pain or something yeah like, okay yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah yes. and then you have nowhere to go because you're just like you don't believe in pain but yeah. pain does exist you know like it's so weird yeah I know what you mean and I think you're right people who do say that are not Saying it with a positive intention, probably, but you know, um, I, I don't discriminate. Does it yeah. make does it mean make, make a difference to me if you're black, if you're white, if you're yeah. brown, or whatever? Doesn't doesn't matter. Mm. But it does matter mm. in today's world. It matters, yeah. and you're right. If you, that's implying that, not only do you not see that, yeah, but you also don't see, mm. You know, the discrimination, the bias, the challenges, the lack of uh, representation. You're just kind of indifferent to it. That's yeah. kind of what it implies. And this is what it says. It says, this comment denies a fundamental part of people's identities. Mm. And it suggests that if we choose to ignore racism, it will go away <laughs> on its own. We'll just go away. We'll just ignore it. No. In fact, many studies show that when people or institutions claim to be colorblind, they often perpetuate racism by failing to take action against it. Yeah. To combat racism, you first have to face it head on and actively work to challenge racist stereotypes and behavior, both you and those of others. Like the child that said bushy head or whatever. Yeah. Somebody's like, oh, that's harmless. It's not. But it's it's not harmless. It's yeah. not a harmless comment. It's a race. It's about somebody's hair, somebody's race, mm. and it and isolated. It could it could seem what's the word? It's kind of innocent and no big deal, but in the bigger picture, it's a big Ooh. deal <laughs> because it perpetuates the idea that different isn't good, mm. yeah. and that that specific difference is not a good thing. Um, and so what do you do? You could ask the question to make your coworker reflect, what's wrong with acknowledging someone's race? Yeah. Which, you know, is kind of what you were saying. Yeah. 
Hmm. Like, what, what's wrong with acknowledging someone's yeah. black, someone's white, someone's Chinese, someone's Nepali, someone's Swahili, hmm. someone's African? What's what's yeah? What's wrong with acknowledging that? That's their identity. So everyone's identity is unique and should be appreciated. Mm. Like it even, you know, when somebody's Irish, you can hear it. So you will, you comment on it. Yeah. People love Irish. Yeah. Thing is, whatever you can see or hear, mm. comment on. Mm. Hopefully, in a positive, empowering way, mm. and explain that while you understand that they think they're being fair and objective, not seeing color, mm. can make racism worse. Mm. And point out that this way of thinking signals that someone's not interested in challenging racist behavior, whether or not that, that was the intention of what they said. And then you get, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've had this, Meenal, but he says your coworker may wish to deny that racism still exists. <laughs> or they may be falling into the trap of thinking that not seeing color is a way of avoiding racism when in fact it perpetuates racism. Yeah. Yeah. You can imagine someone who hasn't faced that, uh, thinking that not seeing colour means that, oh, I'm helping um, when not hindering. But mm. I think we have to also stop, like, like coming down so hard on people who are not, who don't understand, you know, like, like the whole, oh, you're, you know, I don't know, putting people down because the whole point is to educate, you know, or like people should be able to say, oh, sorry, I didn't realize that, that was a thing and then learn from that, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, people shouldn't be afraid to go, oh, well, like learn from whatever it is and change yeah. their mind. Exactly. You know, changing their mind, that that should be like a good thing. You can say it to someone and then be like them change their mind or at least them think about it and you're going, great that feels better yeah um, whereas i don't know some people get really some people get really offended on their high horse and exhibit yeah. anger and i think that's yeah. that's just not mm. that's really unhelpful yeah it also propagates discrimination perpetuates discrimination yeah because yeah. who likes to be met with anger who likes to be met yeah. with those Ooh. nobody does yeah. right nobody I remember seeing a TikTok recently where this white woman was saying, like her TikTok was, I, I don't understand what's so bad about asking someone, where where do you come from? Like, where are you from? You know, sorry, where are you from? Yeah. And then this Asian TikToker replied back in, in her thing. And she was like, it's not the, the fact that you're asking, where are you from? It's the context and how you ask. She yeah. goes, if I've just, if a taxi driver has just picked me up from the airport and then goes, oh, where are you from? And I say, I'm Korean. I don't think that's what he's asking. I mean, he's just picked me up from the airport. So obviously I tell him I'm from California, you know, or whatever. Because if you want to know my ethnicity, you ask, what is your ethnic background? <laughs> you know, which is what, you know, I, I think that's what people do. They're like, where are you come from? And then it's like, but we don't. So she's just trying to say that people of color don't always understand Oh, you mean my background, not mm. where are you, my, you know, because you mm. can be asked where you come from and you go, oh, I'm from Portland Hills or whatever, you know, mm. and then they're like, what? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. If I ask, probably, and I probably, and maybe I'm being biased, I'll ask a white person where they're from, they're going to say, I'm from uh, Surrey Hills, yeah. or I'm from, if I'm not in Australia, maybe they'll say I'm from Australia. 
yeah. or Sydney or, mm. you know. But yeah. if you're asking a person of colour that, mm. a question they get a lot, mm. there's going to be a bit of a delay to try and figure out, well, what are you asking me? Yeah, exactly. Uh, are you are you noticing my skin colour and wanting to know my ethnicity? Mm. Are, for me, it's, these are my things. Mm. Are you noticing my skin colour want to know my ethnicity? Mm. Are you noticing my accent want to know? why when my accent comes what are, you, what are you asking me are you literally asking me uh, are, are you from Sydney I don't know what you're asking me yeah. just ask me what you mean mean <laughs> ask me what you want to know and then the, so that's one side of it mm. but then like I say co- what you just said context yeah right and the situation um if I'm in England mm. and actually and I can't even get upset about this anymore if I'm in England somebody asks me where I'm from yeah before it's a problem because it implies you're not from there mm. so when you're or you don't fit in mm. that you don't belong mm. and that perpetuates something that's not very nice right mm. but i can't get offended by it now because i don't sound to english people i don't sound as english because i've been living in australia for so long i know it's crazy right yeah I know. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but yes if i go home mm. when i say where i grew up grew up Ooh. I and my brothers and sisters especially will take the piss out of my accent saying that I sound Australian and they'll just take yeah. the mickey out because of it it's hilarious because I've been to you you know your hometown with you and I feel like your accent actually gets thicker <laughs> <laughs> probably does sense. probably does <laughs> probably goes back to the uh, yeah. you know it just does actually it's like my mum when she's on the phone talking to her family in Ireland mm. she gets more Irish yes it's insane um it's an interesting phenomenon isn't it but yeah it's context you're right um people were don't want to feel like a stranger Mm. in a place where they feel is home yes but at the same time people understand that people are curious Mm. to ask the right question is all i'm saying and so it depends what mood i'm in right yes whether i how i answer Depends what kind of day I've had, <laughs> whether I'm tired and how I answer. Like, for example, I got that question uh, a few months ago. I was in a, I was at Salsa woo-hoo, dancing and the guy was at the bar just, you know, getting a drink. I'm getting a drink. And he's like, oh, where are you from? Mm. And I wasn't in the mood. <laughs> Sometimes I play with people. Yeah. I know what they're really asking me, but I don't answer that question. Yes. So um, he, I, he was asking me where, why am I black? Like mm. I said, why am I black? What's my ethnicity? And I just said, oh, from Sydney. Where are you from? <laughs> but then this is the funny thing. How he answered is like, well, obviously I'm from Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. It's obvious, is it? <laughs> but, you know. It was like, like, you're asking me that silly question. Yeah, exactly. And actually, it's not. And then, and then I was, and then I was annoyed because I was like, I don't. Think, that's not a silly question for me to ask you because, because people that are white that are from different places, yeah, that live here. Mm. Anyway, yeah, that's what I mean. It's yeah. just like it's a context situation, and depending on whether I'm feeling, it, I'm in a good mood and how I answer that question. But yeah, I feel like I'm very defensive. When, mm. when, if, in particular, when Indians ask me, like Brandon, because they'll come up and they'll be like, "Oh, which part of India are you from?" Like from Fiji and India. 
the point where I think one of my bosses was saying something and I said something, you know, about India and he goes, oh, I understand you're Fiji and Indian. It was so completely and I realised that I'd actually said that too. I'm like, this may be a thing. So what does he, what's that about? Oh, I just, you know, because I think in growing up, you know, I, there weren't a lot of Indians, you know, around when I was growing up. There was a, quite a few Fijian Indians, but then, so when I started meeting Indians and they were like, they didn't, many of them didn't even, they didn't realise Fijian Indian as a thing. Like they had no idea that there were Indians in Fiji. Um, lots of Indians actually don't know that the British took all these people off and, you know, put them elsewhere. So they didn't realize. And then, you know, I used to get, oh, but that's not Indian. You know, <laughs> there was a lot of, you know, all of this, oh, but the, you're not really Indian. So I think I just, I took it on. I'm like, did that yeah, annoy you? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I guess it did annoy me. So I'm all like, yeah, you're right. I'm not Indian. <laughs> so since then, it's been a very, I've, I think I was at a function where I literally had, so this woman came up to me at like a random puja um, or whatever, and she was just like, oh, again, oh, which part of your India are you from, you know, trying to connect my parents to, I guess, her and whatever. And I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not from India, I'm from Fiji. And she literally turned around and walked away. <laughs> I was like, what, the conversation ended? <laughs> like, like, bye then. <laughs> but, um, so I guess I've like, like, you know, made that like a thing. But um, yeah, but now I think the Indians that I meet who now obviously know, you know, people, you know, a lot more aware and aware of Fijian Indians, I, I think they find it entertaining. But I'm just like, wait a second, not Indian, Fijian Indian. <laughs> There's a difference. There's a difference. Yeah. <laughs> is. So um, yeah, I might come across as a little more defensive than I probably want to be. But yeah. Oh, that's the whole thing. Oh, oh, all right. I think we're rambling now a little yes, bit. I mm. think so. Okay. Well, I hope you have a lovely week. Yes. Ends it there. What are you doing? This, the rest of the. Um, I think it's work thing, and then the week after is Diwali. So, oh, Diwali's um, coming up. Yeah, exactly. Twenty fourth in Sydney. Mm. Um. So yeah, I think that weekend I'll be busy. Um, mum making sweets i mean not that i attempt to make them but i am a good kitchen aid so all right cool well this episode will come out just the week of diwali Ooh, there you go there you go so diwali, happy everyone. happy diwali yeah. is it diwali or diwali 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 yes exactly yeah. happy diwali yeah. before we go what is diwali about <laughs> it's the festival of light which um, commemorates the um, win of good over evil, basically, of light over darkness. So, uh, wow. It's, yeah, truth over untruth. Wow. Yes, they say. So, yes, it's the bigger, biggest festival in, um, in Hindu culture. So, I get to eat a lot of sweets. <laughs> <laughs> and at some point, pray to God. <laughs> at some point, pray to God. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Okay. Well, happy Diwali. Thank you. Happy Diwali to all. To all. Yes. And I'll see you next time. I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have as much fun with us today as we did. If what you heard resonated with you, don't forget to show the love and like our YouTube channel, All One with Tracy G. 
Give us a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform is lucky enough to have this episode because they rock too. Feel free to email us stories or questions at alloneinclusive at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter if updating yourself about everything which goes down sounds like something right up your alley at tracygandu.com. Until the next time, see ya!